everybody, welcome to the export. I'm Raven X, and alongside me, as always, is Biggie, aka Ethan Tate, aka Ja Morant's good luck charm. Because it seems like every Grizzlies game you go to, Ja just tends to ball out. How you doing today, Ethan? I'm good. Hopefully, he balls out tomorrow because I'll be hurting tomorrow. So, you just living it up. I'm trying to be like you when I grow up. I miss going to NBA games, especially Grizzlies games. But we got a cool show for you guys today. We are going to talk about the potential decline of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. After so much change has been taking place to their roster, we're going to talk who we believe is currently the NBA's real MVP. And then we're going to talk if LeBron can still carry an NBA team. But before we get to any of that, please be sure to check out theexreport.net. I repeat, theexreport.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes are a lovely podcast and our YouTube channel um, entitled The X Report. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. So last night, the NFL scouting combine workouts officially began with quarterbacks and wide receivers. And while we eventually did not end up seeing the record breaking for the fastest 40 time, it still proved to be a great event, which as we all know, it tends to be, which helps give fans and teams a better look at potential draft prospects. So Ethan, I don't know how uh, tightly you've been watching the combine or keeping up with it, but who are some draft prospects that you would say that you're really looking at as a Titans fan? Um, I would say from a quarterback standpoint, I probably would say um, if he's available, Kenny Pickett is mm. a backup to Ryan Tannehill. And I would say Calvin Austin out of Memphis. One of the things that we need is we need um, – I think we need definitely wide receiver because mm-hmm. Julio is a guy that I hate to say it because he's such an amazing player, but he doesn't stay on the field that often. And I think Calvin Austin's a guy that even though he had an amazing 40 time at the combine, people might not look at him because he played in Memphis, which is considered a um, a weaker conference for football, and he's a um, smaller player. He's like five eight. Mm-hmm. But he's a guy that I, me and you both have seen make countless of plays in big-time moments for the Tigers. So I will go with those two guys. Yeah, and both of those guys had pretty good showings last night at the Combine. Um, I believe what? I think Calvin Austin ran a 4-3-2 in the 40. Yep. Kenny Pickett looked really good in throwing workouts. And he ran a sub 4-7-40. So that's interesting. And it's also interesting that you mentioned Kenny Pickett because – when asked about a comp for himself, he compared himself to Ryan Tannehill. So that'd be very interesting if they were able to get on the same team. Uh, for me, I'm going to kind of break it down by day. Today it's going to be running backs and offensive linemen. And so for today, I've harped on it a lot. Baltimore needs help on the offensive line. I'm really looking at Trevor Penning, a guy who at the Senior Bowl really showed his overall toughness and looked like he could be a potential Raven. I just want to see if he'll translate to uh, this weekend's workouts. I'm on the back end, Jaquan Jaquan Brisker, safety out of um, Penn State. Safety is another position that we have to hit on, especially because I think that um, Deshaun Elliott is going to be leaving. We need a playmaker on the back end, and I think that Jaquan Brisker could be that if we end up not signing one in free agency. And then linebacker Devin Lloyd out of Utah. Though I've been really big on N'Kobe Dean, and he's my favorite linebacker of the class, I think that if Devin Lloyd can really showcase his athletic ability, he could wind up being the top linebacker off the board, which really wouldn't surprise me or probably anybody who's watching. 
But all right, let's go ahead and move on to some NFL news, starting with the surprising retirement of offensive lineman Ali Mopart. He played seven seasons with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and had a good amount of success. Now, it's safe to say that right now a lot of questions surrounding the Bucs, especially with regards to losing players such as Tom Brady retiring. Chris Godwin is a free agent. They have a lot of defensive players who could potentially be on their way out. Ethan, let's say Tom Brady really is gone. Do you think that the Bucks are bound to be on a decline? Yes, I think for one, um, Tom Brady is a guy that he draws people near to play with, and we saw that in the case of Ron coming back, and we saw a couple other guys join the team. And I think now that he's gone, and let's see that their championship window has probably dwindled. A lot of guys are either going to leave, or some of the guys that maybe a longer in the two, they might actually just decide to retire because they, they have their championship. Why not why not ride out in the sunset? Now, you know, last season was an up and down season. It didn't end the way I'm pretty sure none of them wanted it to end, but you still have a Super Bowl championship, so why not go out? So I definitely think they're starting to decline. Yep, I hear you on that. All right, so I'm in agreement with you. I think that it's going to be tough. I think that they can still be a playoff team, especially because right now the NFC South is a bit weak, especially looking at the quarterback position. There's really no quarterback that I think really stands out um, enough to really put them over the hump of other teams. So I think that they can still find a way to win the division, even if it is with the 9-8 and eight or 8-9 eight or nine record. But in terms of seeing them as a Super Bowl contender, despite the talent that they are going to bring back, I don't really see it either. I think that it's just going to be too much – to really ask for, so I don't I don't think it's really going to happen. But continuing on, move things that may actually happen, after the great AFC Championship game between the Chiefs and the Bills, a lot of people are calling for changes to overtime rules. I know you and I spoke about it. Truthfully, I didn't really have too much of a gripe with it. You said that you could see changes being made, and it seems that owners are also trying to make a stand to get things changed. The Indianapolis Colts officially submitted a proposal to change the overtime rules to guarantee at least one possession for both teams in regular and postseason games. Now, in order for this to pass, 24 out of 32 votes are required to be changed. So, do you think that overtime rules is bound to change, or do you think that it's still going to be the same overtime that we've grown accustomed to? I think they're bound to change. I think this um, this past postseason showed, um, I'm not going to necessarily say a flaw, but it showed a lot of owners that, you know, it, it might, in their opinion, it might need to change because the rules that they stated kind of pretty much somewhat almost determines your Super Bowl. I mean, not your Super Bowl, but your win chances because, granted, we know that you have to play defense in those moments, but the reality of it is also this. If you play a, what, a 60-minute a game of football, then you add extra extra time, that defense is going to be gassed. Right. And at that point, it's kind of a, it, if you have a high-power offense, it might be a foregone conclusion because you're playing against a gassed defense that you're going to score. So I think they're going to. I think the owners are going to vote, and make, it's going to be a change. I can see that, especially the teams that have been directly affected by it. Looking at the Bills, um, we've seen it. And then, like like I said, on the other hand, I think that there are instances where teams don't score, and the other team get the opportunity. So I don't think that overtime rules. Honestly, if we're going to change a rule right now, I think the taunting rule should be gone. 
if anything, I think that's the biggest problem right now just because it's led to so many unnecessary and stupid penalties. Whereas with overtime, I think that because it has a bigger effect on games, it probably will be the thing that is changed first. But let's go ahead, move on to the New York Giants, who it seems that they could potentially be open to a fire sale. New um, general manager Joe Shum was asked about his openness on trading players, um, specifically like a Saquon Barkley, and he said, I'm open to everything. He also said he's willing to listen to pretty much any offer and that it will be a different, it'll be some difficult decisions coming up on players very soon. So, you and I talked about it. The Giants overall do not have a bad roster. So let's say we're taking this literally and the Giants are saying they're open for business. Which Giants player would you try to trade for to make a new Tennessee Titan? Mm-hmm. I would say Darius Tony. Okay. I know it probably wouldn't happen because he, he, would, be a, he would be a second-year player. Mm-hmm. But like I stated, wide receiver thing. I think that Julio is going to be a guy that's going to be out. Kedarius Tony showed that he's a guy that can make plays. And if you add, and he's also tough. And I think there's something that that a Tennessee that we need as Titans like players. We always go for tough guys. And I think he will fit in with our culture. And he'll be able to make plays opposite of AJ Brown. And it also could be a move potentially for the future where you have um where you have two top top wide receivers, AJ Brown might be like a top fifteen, Kadarius Tony might could probably be like a top twenty wide receiver and you can have a parent like that for the future. Yeah, and I mean you saw it once AJ Brown and Julio weren't on the field and then factoring in Derrick Henry, there really weren't many offensive weapons, particularly at wide receiver. You guys are still able to get wins, but I'm sure it would have been a lot easier if you would have had another weapon to go to. So I think that would be a good one. I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball, and I'm going to say Leonard Williams. I mean, Baltimore right now within our interior line is bound to see some changes. And I think that in getting a player like Leonard Williams, who these past couple years have really played great in terms of not only being a run stopper, but also stopping um, me and an edge rusher and getting a lot of sacks. I think Baltimore really needs that. And I think that even though he'd become with the price he had, he become with a hefty price tag. I would take what he gives over any of the potential rookies that we could draft. But all right, last thing before we play a game of believable or buffoonery, with the new league year coming up, a lot of players' futures could potentially be in doubt as a way to save cap. Two of those players, for example, Amari Cooper, wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys, and then quarterback Carson Wentz for the Indianapolis Colts, starting with Amari Cooper. Um, Steven Jones, the vice president of opera of operations for the Cowboys was honest and said that it's too early to really think about his future. And earlier today, it was reports that rather than trading Amari Cooper, Cooper could end up being cut by the Cowboys. While I don't think Amari Cooper is as great as his contract may reflect it, he's still a really solid receiver. So let's say Amari Cooper is released. What team do you think would be the best fit for him? The Las Vegas Raiders. Go back to where it all started, huh? Yep. I think now... If there wasn't any bad blood, bad blood with him being um, traded to the Cowboys, I think he could be a piece that could really thrive with their team because they're lacking a they're lacking a true number one wide receiver. I don't fully think that Amari Cooper is a true, true number one wide receiver, mm-hmm. but he has the potential to be. And I think that when you add in the fact that Derek Carr has progressed to be one of one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. 
I'm going to actually stay in the division. I'm going to say the Philadelphia Eagles. I think that Devontae Smith has shown a lot of potential, but there is still a very young and raw group who have – who have shown flashes of greatness, but overall you don't really know what you're going to get. With Amari Cooper, he's consistent. You know exactly what you're going to get. He could be a good veteran addition to the team. And not to mention, you can use him to stick it to the Cowboys secondary. So I think that, one, it would fill a huge need. And with those three first-round picks, they could look elsewhere or they could triple up on wide receivers and have a nice three-headed monster with Amari Cooper, Devontae Smith, and whoever they decide to draft. All right, let's go ahead and move on to quarterback Carson Wentz, who, let's be honest, since that Week 18 loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars, it seems like there is no faith that Carson Wentz will be the Indianapolis Colts quarterback this upcoming season. Uh, Zach Kiefer on the Around the NFL podcast said, this decision is not going to be made solely on football. That's my understanding. It's not just based on how Wentz played on the field. The top decision makers are convinced he's not the guy and they aren't willing to run it back and just hope for better. So let's say Carson Wentz is on the move. What team do you think would be a better fit for him, even though you and I both thought that the Colts would be the perfect fit? say this is a bit tough because it's like with Carson Wentz you don't really know which Carson Wentz you're going to get on a weekly basis which is frustrating but a team that I still could see could go after him would be somebody like the um, Carolina Panthers as we know they have weapons in tow if they get a healthy Christian McCaffrey which unfortunately we don't know if that's really happening anymore you still get a great run game Chuba Hubbard played well at um and his opportunities to play, you get a great wide receiver core. DJ Moore showed a lot of flashes. Robbie Anderson is bound for a bounce back year. Terrace Marshall, same thing for him. And then you get a really good defense on the other side of the ball. I think that, like I said, with Carson Wentz, you don't really know which Carson you're going to get. But at least Carolina has the tools to be around him that would make it a lot better for him to have success. Because excluding the run game, he'll have much better receivers in Carolina and defensively, they're, I won't say they're as good as the Colts were, but they're not too many notches below them. So I think that it could happen. But all right, let's go ahead and play a game of believable or buffoonery, starting with Aaron Rodgers. Now, following the divisional round loss to the 49ers, it seemed like a foregone conclusion that Aaron Rodgers would not be a Green Bay Packer this upcoming season. But now, as of late, it seems that he and Gutenhurst the general manager of the Packers seemed to be working towards a deal, a short-term deal that would possibly make him the highest-paid play, player in the NFL. That sounds great and all, but 
um, on the JT and Don podcast, they called for another reason why Green Bay Packer quarterback Aaron Rodgers may decide to return to the green and yellow, in which they said that the belief is he doesn't want to go to the AFC with all those young gunslingers. Now, for comparing divisions, the most talent of the younger quarterbacks is in the AFC. So, believable or buffoonery, Aaron Rodgers wants to stay with the Packers to avoid dealing with AFC competition. Um, I'm going to say buffoonery. I think he might want to stay in the NFC, but I don't think he wants to stay on the Packers. And I understand that he also is a weird guy where he might be the type of person that wants to embrace their challenges. Yeah. And as to go to the AFC. So I'm going to have to say buffoonery. I'm going to say buffoonery as well, just because, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is older. But, I mean, he's still better categorically than most of the other quarterbacks in the league, regardless of the conference, regardless of their age. The only quarterback I think that most people really inconsistent say is better is Patrick Mahomes. But other than that, if you're taking – Year by year, I would take Aaron Rodgers over Joe Burrow. And you know how much I love Joe Burrow. I would take him over Justin I mean, um, Justin Herbert. I would take him over Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. So with that being said, I don't really think that is the problem. Do I think that he stays in Green Bay? At this point, I have no clue what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. But if he leaves, I don't. if he stays, I don't think it's because he fears the competition. But speaking of another quarterback, even though Jimmy Garoppolo is slated to have shoulder surgery soon, it does not seem like the 49ers have taken their eye off of Trey Lance becoming their quarterback of the future. However, 49ers legend Joe Montana is not totally sure that's the best decision. He said, I think they should keep Jimmy. I don't think Trey's ready to play yet, as myself and, and other players have talked. If Trey was ready, they would have played him. We've got to get him ready, and we've got six months to do it. So, believable or buffoonery, the 49ers are making a mistake going with Trey Lance as their franchise quarterback. I'm going to say believable. I think that um, Joe Montana is correct in his evaluation. I don't think that Trey Lance is, at the current moment, um, ready to be an NFL starting caliber quarterback. And I think that they should keep um, Jimmy G, or if they want to go with a cheaper option, <laughs> when you make a trade for him, say you trade him to a team like um, like a long shot, like the Broncos, make sure that in that package deal you get somebody like Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater in return, just as insurance policy. I'm going to say... I'm going to say buffoonery just because I think we've seen in the past several years, what you get out of Jimmy G. And truthfully, it's not much. In terms of overall skill set, Trey Lance provides more. Do I think he's immediately ready right now to be a full-time starter? No, but you still have six months, like you know was said, to get him ready. And also, you'll have a really nice offense around him, especially assuming that they bring in more pieces. Do I think that they're all of a sudden just going to go back to the NFC Championship? No, but I do think that Trey Lance provides you a lot more potential and a higher ceiling than what you had with Jimmy G these past few years. All right, continuing on the conversation of NFC West quarterbacks, Kyler Murray since the Super Bowl has been a hot topic from him getting rid of all Cardinals-related material to his, from his social media to saying that he felt like a scapegoat for their playoff loss to now 
um, having his agent send out a statement saying that he wants to be resigned by the Cardinals. He wants to get a pretty health, healthy contract extension. In response, the ca- the Cardinals did give out a couple of extensions, but to head coach Cliff Kingsbury and general manager Steve Kime that are extended through 2027, which leaves Air. Uh, Kyler Murray in a bit of a dark. However, it seems that the fandom for Kyler Murray is not exactly the strongest. Larry Fitzgerald Sr., aka the father of the great Larry Legend, said this on Twitter. He spoiled, brings his Oklahoma offense to the NFL. Team has to catch up and great talent. He's never been humbled. Keep working. While it seems a bit muddled in what he's trying to say, I think the overall consensus is Kyler Murray may not be as great as everybody thinks he is, and maybe the issues with Arizona are not going to end anytime soon. So, believable or buffoonery, Kyler Murray's time in Arizona is quickly coming to an end. I think it's believable. Um, I I think at best, he might be the quarterback of the Cardinals for this season. But after this season, I think he'll be traded. Yeah, I I agree. I don't think immediately right now just because the options aren't there. But I feel like if he doesn't have that great of a year or it's another year where they reach the playoffs, but he falls short in the playoff game, I could see him being on the way out. Now let's go ahead and talk about somebody else who is going to be on the come up. Wide receiver Michael Thomas. Now, missing after missing all of the 2021 season, many thought that Michael Thomas could have been on his way out of New Orleans. But instead, it seems that after restructuring his deal, things are looking up between the two. Uh, Michael Thomas, after words, said, A fresh start is not a place. It's a mindset. So, believable or buffoonery, Michael Thomas will return to stardom after missing the 2021 season. That's fair. If able, yeah, if they're able to get a solid quarterback, then I will say believable. But for the time being, I'm going to say Buffoner. I agree. I mean, no offense to Taysom Hill. I mean, technically, Jameis Winston is a free agent, but I wouldn't be surprised if they brought him back. I just – it's a big drop-off going from Drew Brees to either of those guys. And I think that with Michael Thomas and coming off the year where he's going to have so much to prove, unfortunately – I don't think he has the pieces around him to make it happen. Because even if you don't look at the quarterback position, I mean, at wide receiver, everybody knows that the ball is going to go his way. And so because of that, defenses aren't going to respect the other receivers there, which is going to lead to more double teams against him, which is going to make it harder for him to get really productive days. So I'm saying buffoonery as well. All right, last piece before we move on to the NBA. Cam Newton, who is one of the most polarizing players in the NFL We don't know what his future holds. We don't know if he's going to be back in Carolina or if he's going to retire. But either way, Jordan Schultz took to Twitter to make his case for why Cam Newton is a Hall of Famer. He said, Cam has more passing touchdowns than Troy Aikman and Joe Namath, more rushing touchdowns than Earl Campbell, Shady McCoy, Eddie George, and Thurman Thomas. Same yards per carry as Gail Sayers and Barry Sanders, plus a league MVP. In summary, Cam Newton is definitely a Hall of Famer. Believable or buffoonery? Is Cam a Hall of Famer? Because this may give me some blowback, but I'm going to say no. I'm in agreement with you. I think a lot of people still realize that in the NFL Hall of Fame, they account like winning as a major piece of you making the Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. 
Hey, granted, Karen Mean in his prime was a, like, he was the ultimate dual third quarterback in his prime at the top of his powers, but he lost in the Super Bowl. Right. Like, those quarterbacks that he, the quarterbacks that he named, they both had Super Bowl wins. Um, everybody else, maybe outside of um, Barry Sanders and Gail Sayers. And Gail Sayers and Eddie George, all of those guys have a Super Bowl championship attached to their name. Some have multiple, so I have to say buffoonery. I'm also saying buffoonery. I hate to play the he had one great year card, but he did. Not saying he only got to the, the Panthers to the playoffs one time, but even still, I just feel like when you talk Hall of Famers, it's just consistent, pure dominance. And only one time... You could really say Cam Newton was the best player in the league or the best quarterback in the league. Not to say he wasn't doing great things or he wasn't explosive and exciting and a great dual threat, but it's just like what has Cam done exactly to make him a Hall of Famer? And then we just talked about whether or not Matthew Stafford was a Hall of Famer, and you and I both said not yet. But, I mean, if I'm comparing the careers of Matthew Stafford and Cam Newton – I'll take Matthew Stafford overall, who I feel is the better quarterback. And so because of that, I just – I feel bad because Cam has done some great things, but even still it's like I don't I don't think I could call him a Hall of Famer. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to the NBA. Ethan, what are your top three takeaways from this past week of action? Top three takeaways are um, the Eastern Conference is about to get really interesting with the addition – of Kevin Durant coming back this past Thursday to the Knicks and potentially the New York mandate for vaccines being lifted, which would um which will initiate Kyrie Irving the status of being able to play both home and away games. Um the Boston Celtics are on a big resurgence. I think they've won like their last six games. And um I think this is the most stacked MVP race that the NBA has had in a long time. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get to the MVP race in a bit, but, I mean, it is – it's pretty neck and neck just across the board. But, all right, let's talk our Mamba players of the week. For me, starting out of the Eastern Conference, I'm going to show love to the reigning finals MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I mean, I think that while the Bucks have not exactly been on the surge that you would have thought that they would be post-All-Star break, Giannis continues to be a consummate pro and one of the best players in the NBA. I mean, just looking at his the uh, dog fight that they just had with the Miami Heat, he had 28 points, 17 rebounds. Just in the big moments, Giannis knows how to show up. And I know that Nets game is going to hurt him in me saying that, but overall Giannis has really been playing lights out. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with Joel Embiid. Um, a lot of attention has been made to the fact that they acquired James Harden and he's back playing. And I know a lot of the questions with their acquisition was, is Joel Embiid still going to be that dominant force that he was before Harden, before Harden was there? And he's still that dominant force. I mean, he every game that they played together, he's still been the go-to guy and the guy that um kind of rights the ship. And I got to go with Joel. I feel you on that. All right, moving on to our Western Mamba, or at least my Western Mamba of the week. I mean, 
it's not much of a surprise. We I got to go with John Morant. I know that they lost last night, but it had nothing to do with him. He dropped 38 points. We all know the game before had 52-7-2 and against the Spurs, including two of the best plays of the season. Game before that dropped 36 against a tough Chicago team. I mean, John Morant this past week has literally looked like he can do no wrong, and it's just been so exciting to watch. Yeah, I'm in agreement. He's John Morant. Yeah, 100%. All right, and then moving on to my rookie Mamba of the week. I'm going Scotty Barnes, another young cat who's just been a consummate pro this whole season. And this past week, I mean, he's really had some great games. Average a double-double in the last three contests, 28-16 and 16 against the Nets, 18-10 and 10 against the Nets, and then 21-10 and 10 against the Pistons, really just being a real bright spot for Toronto. Yeah, I'm also in agreement with Scotty Barnes. He's a guy that as the season has progressed, he's gotten better. And um, I think it was that game against the Nets where he scored 28 and like 14 and had 14 rebounds. Mm-hmm. And he was just showing overall versatility as a player um, during that game. Yeah, had 28 and point uh, sixteen rebounds. Just overall just looked great. But, all right, let's go ahead and look at some injury news. Starting off on a positive note, Victor Oladipo is set to return um, sooner rather than later. I believe sometime next week he will be returning to the Miami Heat to play. I mean, as we all know, Victor Oladipo, though an often injured player, when he is healthy, he is one of the better uh, two-way players in the league. So what are the Miami Heat getting in the return to Oladipo? Yeah, I agree, and I think that his overall mindset is a perfect fit for what the Miami Heat are. They are dogs, and they have been dogs since Jimmy Butler got there, and they've reached so many great heights, and I'm excited to see how he'll be able to contribute. Of course, he'll be coming off the bench, and I'm sure it'll be a bit It'll be a while before he's really seen as like a legitimate, you know, player for them or he sees significant minutes. But even still, it's great to have him in that fold. All right, let's go ahead and talk Ben Simmons, who is still reportedly dealing with back soreness, so much so that during his photo shoot with the Brooklyn Nets, he told the photographers that he could not dunk. Um, just because of so much soreness. The Nets hope he'll play before the playoffs, barring any setbacks, but that's still kind of up in the air. So, Ethan, do you think that we'll see Ben Simmons in the regular season or have to wait to see the debut of Ben 10? He's, he's good. Let's bring him back in just to get acclimated to being back on the court. 
I could see that as well, especially get him the opportunity to play, get live reps with his teammates, especially because in the playoffs, the Nets are expected to make a deep playoff run. You don't want the first time that they all play together is in a key game. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think sometime late in the season, whether it be against a weaker opponent or something like that, I could see Ben Simmons taking the court. All right, let's talk about some positive league signings, starting with Isaiah Thomas, who, after destroying the um, G League in four games where he averaged 41.5 points, 6.7 assists, and 4.2 uh, rebounds per game. He was signed to a 10-day contract with the Charlotte Hornets. And in his first game, didn't have that bad of a night. In 14 minutes, scored 10 points, grabbed five boards, shot four of 11 from the field. So not great, but then again, not terrible. Believe, do you think that this is going to open up opportunities for Isaiah's Thomas to get a contract for the rest of the season, or do you think he's going to find himself still kind of floating around? Uh, I think it can go either way. I think when you have a team like Charlotte, he might actually sign for the rest of the season because Charlotte, they do have a lot of guards, but they don't really have a, a key backup guard. Um, and I think he's a guy that can come in and just – he can provide a little scoring, but he could be a veteran presence in that locker room. So I think he might actually get resigned. I can see that as well, especially because the Hornets are a very, very young team. And I think that while everybody sees them making the playoffs, kind of going further than that is kind of up in the air. But to have a player who has that playoff experience and kind of, like you mentioned, use that veteran leadership, I think that that could be a really helpful thing for them to have in the locker room. And I hope he does ball out because, I mean, Isaiah Thomas is one of those great stories in the NBA where with the Celtics became an improbable star, played that great playoff game following the death of his sister. I mean, he's somebody that... That I think everybody wants to see succeed, but unfortunately, he really hasn't had a spot where he just landed. So I hope that Charlotte can kind of be that for him. But all right, let's go ahead and look at the MVP ladder because honestly, it's pretty tough to suss out. As we mentioned, popular names thus far Joel Embiid is arguably at the top of that list, Nikola Jokic is possibly going to repeat as MVP with the season he's had. DeMar DeRozan has been a stud for Chicago. John Moran is another one. Even Giannis Antetokounmpo is in that conversation. So, Ethan, as of right now, who would you say is your league MVP? This is very tough because we have a lot of guys being dominant players right now. Um, And I'm not about I'm also in agreement with you with Joel Embiid. I mean, I think you pretty much hit it right on the head. While, you know, Nikola Jokic could be doing the same, said be doing the same thing about leading a team on his own, 
But I think that right now the Eastern Conference is tougher than the Western Conference. And when was the last time we could really say that? But Joel has done so with more success. I want to say that overall, before even before James Harden got in, they had a better record than the Nuggets, were a higher seed than the Nuggets. And, of course, yeah, and then Nikola Jokic, on the one hand, I mean, he does everything. He's one of the best passing big men to come into the league. But I think that in just terms of overall pure dominance, Joel Embiid is a dominator and has been doing that all season, especially once he got back from COVID. I mean, he has looked unstoppable. So I'm in agreement with you. I would also go with Joel Embiid. But kind of sticking with that conversation, another guy who I mentioned, uh, DeMar DeRozan, no one can really take away the greatness that he's been able to do on the court. But there are some questions that come about the legitimacy of the Chicago Bulls, mainly because um, against really good teams, a.k.a. teams that have a win percentage of over 60, the Bulls are 2-13. Now, while they're still able to be competitive and it's not like they're getting blown out, questions serve about how legitimate are the Bulls. So, Ethan, in your opinion, are the Bulls should the Bulls be seen as serious contenders or do you think they're just regular season wonders? I don't think they're regular season wonders. I think that um, a big thing that people don't bring up is the fact that they've had some of their key players hurt throughout major chunks of the season. Like Lonzo Ball, who has been a key fixture for their team since he got signed, hasn't really been there. Like, he's still out. Well, you've had injuries with Zach Levine on numerous of occasions. You've had things going on with Nikola Vucevic. Like the only, the only real key player that's been there from like a constant standpoint has been Demar. So I can't say like I don't want to say that they're not um that they're just a regular season team when they um they haven't had all of their pieces for that long. I mean, even Alex Caruso has been out for a long time, and he's a key piece for them defensively. So. If they're all healthy, then we can judge because a lot of the times when they played a lot of these um these high win percentage teams, they haven't been fully healthy. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I think that I don't think it's fair. I think that truthfully, what we're seeing from the Bulls, one is they're already exceeding expectations for that were put on them before the start of the season. So congratulations to them on that. And I think that We've also seen them go blow for blow with these teams. As I mentioned, it's not like they're getting blown out every single time. Like the Grizzlies game, that game literally came down to the wire. I mean, if it weren't for that uh, ejection of DeMar DeRozan, who's to say that the Bulls wouldn't have found a way to come back? So I just think that the Bulls should not be a team that's just considered – I just easily waved off. I think that they can do a lot of great things. Do I see them as the best team in the Eastern Conference? No, but I do think that they are a competitor and somebody who could go really far in the playoffs, especially with so much unpredictability going on. But all right, last piece before we go on to Believable Buffoonery, my all-time favorite player, Kobe Bryant. We know that post-NBA career, he did a little bit of everything from directing a Oscar-winning uh, animated short to writing books to coming out with more shoes to just being an overall mogul. But he almost added broadcaster to his extensive resume. Um on Charles Barkley spoke with Draymond Green on his podcast and said, I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this, but it's one of the little things that we keep in the cards. 
Kobe actually signed with us. He also added that Kobe ended up pulling out of joining inside the NBA because he had learned that he also had to promote the show with radio and public appearances. And you know Kobe Bryant doesn't want to be attached to having to do something he don't want to do. But let's say Kobe Bryant was a member of inside the NBA. How do you think that dynamic would have been? I think it would have been interesting because all the guys on inside the NBA, they're fun-loving guys. And I think it might would have been an opportunity to see another side of Kobe that we were starting to slowly see as he retired. We all we all knew that Kobe was the mamba. He was the assassin. He was the cerebral killer on the court. But as he retired, you started to see a um, – you know, a softer side to him, a fun-loving side to him, and I think that they would only been they would have only grown if he was on the inside the NBA crew. Yeah, I just think it would have been funny because you know how pretty much everybody pokes fun at each other, and I would just love to see him on a weekly basis go at it with Shaq, which he did for over a decade of his career. Him and Charles Barkley would have been funny together. I think that it would have been really interesting. Um, part of me is kind of happy that Kobe didn't get on there just because I feel like he would have hurt a lot of people's feelings because, you know, he's a basketball savant and there has never been a time where Kobe has pulled punches, whether on the court or doing interviews. So I feel like people already talk about how the old heads and the former players get on younger players too much. I just feel like they would try to use that against Kobe and Kobe wouldn't care. If anything, he'd probably go harder on him. So... It, other than that aspect, I do think it would have been very interesting to watch. But all right, let's go ahead and play a game of believable or buffoonery. As we mentioned last week, Giannis Antetokounmpo is the latest player to have his name included in the he wouldn't have been able to play in my generation conversation, which I, you and I both agree was some crap. But another conversation he's been entered in is one as one of the top power forwards of all time. Uh, Kendrick Perkins on First Take said that if Giannis was able to win a championship this year, I'm going to put him as the number two greatest power forward right under Tim Duncan. Let's say it's not this year, but just in general. If Giannis becomes a two-time champion, would that make him the second greatest power forward of all time? I'm going to say buffoonery. And the reason I'm saying that is because people forget the greatness that was Kevin Garnett. In his prime, Kevin Garnett was probably the most versatile and like this supremely skilled and gifted power forward ever. He could shoot, he could drive, he could post up. He was a he was a defensive anchor. And granted, he only has one championship to his name, but like all of his skill and just overall aggression on the court. I can't overlook that. And I think Giannis has the potential to be in that discussion. I th- I definitely think he has the right to end up being in the top five before he retires. But I don't think that he has the uh, he has the right right now to just overlook KG and everything that he did that he did. I agree with you. As of right now, like I think if he wins another ring it will definitely strengthen that argument, but at this present moment, I don't think I would put him over KG. And mind you, this coming from a diehard Lakers fan. I hate the Celtics. I hated the anything is possible. I was pissed. But I had to respect Kevin Garnett for all the things that you mentioned. Like, he was a mauler offensively, defensively. You earned everything that you got against him. He was a true alpha dog on the court. And so because of that, I mean, 
Giannis, like you mentioned, like has the potential to be all of those things, and we've seen he's been considered one of the best defensive players in the league. He is a league MVP, a finals MVP, and he did so he, – he left no doubt as to why he was going to be finals MVP. So with that being said, I'm, as, I'm agreeing with you that it's buffoonery, but I don't think he's as far off from it as many may think. Uh, speaking on another positive thing, I mean – as you mentioned, three and zero since James Harden, James Harden joined the Philadelphia 76ers. They look like one of the best teams in the league. And uh, Timothy Ledger on Get Up ESPN even said that right now this is the most potent offensive duo that this league has. So believable or buffoonery? Let's say every great play, everybody in the NBA is healthy. Would you say that Joel Embiid and James Harden are the league's best duo right now? In terms of right now, yes, especially with the state of the NBA and, like, how teams have performed this year. But overall, if I'm getting – I would still take a healthy LeBron and AD over them just because LeBron, we all know, can take over a game. I mean, he and AD played a big role in them winning that championship. I know everybody talks about it being the bubble or whatever, but, I mean, when he and LeBron were healthy, the Lakers were – Dang, they're unstoppable. And like you mentioned, KD and Kyrie are another duo that is very close up there. But I think that having the dynamic of having a big and then another big scoring option, I know LeBron is technically a big too, but you get what I'm saying? Like, I think that that provides a lot more versatility because KD is going to kill you from everywhere. He can shoot lights out, but you get players like Joel Embiid who can dominate the post, and then you, if for some reason Joel Embiid isn't doing what he needs to do or his shots aren't falling, you can kick it out to James Harden and he can do the same thing. So as of right now, yes, I think it is believable that they're the best in the duo right, duo right now, but overall, I would say no. Just because I want to see more than just three games. But the potential is absolutely there. 
But all right, speaking of potential, R.J. Barrett this season has really started to find his footing. And after a 46-point performance and a losing effort to the Miami Heat, he got some high praise from Jimmy Butler, who said he's going to be the face of the Knicks. Bantam Adebayo added, he wants to be him. He wants to be that guy. And, I mean, he's shown some flashes. Um, Against the 76ers, he dropped 24 points. And then against the 76ers on March 2nd, dropped 30 points. His role has really started to expand fan overall for the Knicks. So believable or buffoonery, RJ Barrett is going to be the next star of the Knicks. I can say, I can believe it. I think the only thing they might hold him back from it is he still needs to work on his skill set. He still is a really left-hand dominant, which is his dominant hand. He needs to work on being able to go to his, um, his offhand and finish with his offhand. But if he works on that and that improves, I don't see a reason why he won't be the face of the Knicks. I could see it as well, especially considering the current roster. I mean, last year it seemed like it was a foregone conclusion that Julius Randle was going to become that guy, but it just really has not happened. And R.J. Barrett seems to be more of an explosive scorer, and, I mean, he's finally starting to show what made him such a highly touted draft pick, you know, out of Duke. So with that being said, I could see it, but even still, I'm willing to bet that if the – Nick's front office had an opportunity to trade for a star, potentially maybe a Zion Williamson or maybe a Damian Lillard or somebody of that caliber, I know they would do it in a heartbeat, and that would kind of slow down R.J. Barrett being that guy. But our last question before we make our game picks, we got to talk LeBron James, who, let's be honest, I know last week I picked the Lakers to beat the Clippers, and, of course, we freaking lost and not only did we lose then we lost last night against the Clippers 132 to 111 it's getting ugly the Lakers as it stands are the ninth seed in the Western Conference we're 27 and 25 and it's got people calling into question the greatness of LeBron for decades we've seen him be the driving force for bad teams getting him into the playoffs but uh Rick Butcher doesn't really know if that's the case anymore. He said that an anonymous GM said to him that LeBron is still good, but he can't carry a team anymore. Believable or buffoonery? The days of LeBron carrying a team on his shoulders are done. This man is 37 years old. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you're expecting him to carry the weight of a whole franchise when he's, what, 34 years away from being 40? Like, no, he can't. He's not able to carry a franchise because this man is older. And it's crazy because people still place the same expectations on him that he had when he was 27, that he's 37. Like, my thing is, like, his legacy isn't diminished because of this. I mean, you have to realize that how many people have played today reached this to this age mark. And everyone that has, it's been a severe decline. Mm-hmm. Like, LeBron is still dominant. He's still thriving. I think the thing of it is, is like, at this point in his career, he he can't carry a franchise. He does need help. And Anthony Davis was the guy that everyone looked to to be his, his help. And people were actually looking at this season, Anthony Davis becoming more of a Batman than Robin. And LeBron being Robin, but Anthony Davis has been injured. And he's not playing. So, I know LeBron can't carry a franchise because he shouldn't be expected to carry a franchise now that he's this old. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. And, I mean, unfortunately, he shouldn't have to. The Lakers this 
front office this offseason should have done a better job of putting an overall team around him. And, of course, we always harp on them getting Russell Westbrook, but that was a terrible acquisition. Instead of getting Westbrook, they could have gotten a player who better suited their needs. And then on top of that, add the other free agent signings that didn't work out, a la uh, DeAndre Jordan, who was just waived. Carmelo Anthony, who has really not been able to stay healthy as a lady, but he's also up there in age. I mean, it's been rough overall. And you just, like you mentioned, I mean, LeBron is almost 40. And yes, he's LeBron James, and he's really kind of helped set the standard for longevity and how much one player can do. But even still, you can't expect him to continue to do it year in and year out. It's not realistic. So I'm also calling buffoonery. But all right, let's go ahead and make our game pick, starting with the Philadelphia 76ers hosting the Cleveland Cavaliers. I know the Young Bucks have been looking good, but I'm going 76ers. I'm going Philly. Uh, Atlanta Hawks versus the Washington Wizards. I got Hawks. I got Hawks. Indiana Pacers versus the Detroit Pistons. Tyrese Halliburton has been balling. I know we don't talk about the Pacers much, but I'm picking them for tonight's game. Who are they putting in the game? Pistons. Milwaukee Bucks versus the Chicago Bulls. This should be a good one, but I'm going to go Bucks. Yeah, I got Bucks. Orlando Magic versus the Toronto Raptors. I got Raptors. Yeah, I got Raptors. Utah Jazz versus the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm going Jazz. I'm going Jazz. Minnesota Timberwolves versus the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm going to go Timberwolves. Houston Rockets versus the Denver Nuggets. I'm going Nuggets. Yeah, I'm going Nuggets. All right. Last but not least, the New York Suns. I mean, not Suns. New York Knicks taking on the Phoenix Suns. I'm still going to go Suns. I'm going Suns. All right. That is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please be sure to check out the xreport.net. I repeat, the xreport.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Ethan, you got anything you want to say before we close out this bad boy? I feel you on that. Um, same for me. Go Lakers, even though I know it's this rough right now. Um, I'm just going to, you know, college basketball team. Oh, we don't have one. It was Ohio State. I guess I'll keep saying go Buckeyes. But, eh, college basketball, I just sit back and enjoy it. Now, women's basketball, shout out to the Memphis Tigers. My women's team won 15 games for the first time since the 2015-2016 season. Katrina Merriweather is doing a hell of a job down there, and I wish I was still there to cover it because, y'all, I'm jealous. But, yeah, as you mentioned with NFL, I mean, not only is the draft, but more recently free agency is coming up, and that's going to be bound to lead to a lot of big moves. So be on the lookout for that. And, yeah, so thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you all next time.